Welcome to the Becoming Iconic Podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I'm a lifestylist, a mom of four, serial entrepreneur, and a woman who is so passionate about disrupting self-limiting beliefs and blueprints that we have been given. Friends, we can and deserve to have it all. These delicious conversations will help you work through setbacks and hurdles and obstacles to expedite your growth in both your life and business. Learn about leadership, marketing, sales, relationships, parenting, all the things that make this life so beautiful. I am so grateful you're here. Thank you so much. And let's sink in. Okay, icons, welcome to another edition of Love and Marriage with my favorite couple, (laughs) Corey and Kyla. So Corey and Kyla are here and they have been mentors to me in my personal life, whether they've known that or not for a very long time. They're both breathwork coaches, but we are going to let them define that for themselves and how they want to explain that. But I am certainly very integrated with Kyla. She's been on the podcast before and she is definitely someone who has made such an impact in my life and is my breath coach and my companion in all things working on mindset. You have such an ability, Kyla, of pulling out my gifts and helping me come to my own conclusions, which I find so fascinating. Years ago, Kai, like years ago, we were chatting and you had said something to me that literally changed my life when it came to relationship. And that was that you and Corey went to a counselor or therapy or whatever that looked like, but you did that every single month, whether you needed to or not, because you wanted to put your marriage and relationship on the top of the priority list. And often in relationship, it gets pushed down to the bottom of the list after we've looked after business and kids and all the things. And I had never had somebody give me that perspective before, especially in a healthy relationship. And so I want to just open up this podcast by saying thank you to the both of you, because that really made a difference for me. So thank you. Thanks, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) So you're special people. And I would love just to pass it over and let you properly introduce yourselves as you would sort of like people to get to know you. So my name is Corey Erlandson. Thanks for that, Jen. And I am a breathwork coach. I own a company called Breath Integration Coaching and Training Center. We use breathwork combined with traditional counseling and different forms of coaching to help people really move forward in their lives. We do relationship counseling. We do self-empowerment trainings, which are like a six-month long training that we really get to dig in and really figure out who you are and figure out what you want and figure out why you do the things you do. I've been doing this work for over 18 years and the breath part of it, it, it's a combination of the traditional forms of talk therapy and counseling and coaching. And then you have this beautiful thing called the breath. And when I talk about you know, you should try a breath session. People often say, well, I'm breathing all the time. What do I, what do I need? What do I need a breath session for? What breath is like is it's like nutrition. So you can live on hot dogs and cheese whiz if you want to, but you can also refine your diet in a way that helps you live optimally. And most of us do not breathe in an optimal way and our body can survive. It's a very diverse thing, but it can survive on short, shallow breathing through our mouth if it wants to, but we have this unlocked potential within us, within the breath. And and that's really what is transformative about the work that we do together and that I've done for the last 20 years of my life is that opening up the breath to help us maximize our, our potential and who we are. And that's ultimately what 
I do with my clients and anybody that comes through our business, that is our goal is to just help them optimize their lives and see things a different way and and ultimately shift that thought process from a fear-based process into a more loving, more peaceful, learning how to have that and manage the relationship with ourselves first. And really, that's the, the biggest tool that we can use is our relationship with ourselves. And then our relationship with our partner is a reflection back of that, our relationship with our job, our relationship with the world. So yeah. that's what I do. And that's uh, what I've been doing for a long time, which is, uh, uh, I believe has really assisted us mm-hmm. in having more success in our relationship because relationships are so tricky. They are the hardest thing in the world. And the closer the relationship, usually the more challenging it is because it's more intimate and we show our true colors to the people that are close enough or closest to us because we trust them more to let them in and see who the real the real us are. But it also poses a lot of challenges. We get really sensitive, those close relationships. So mm-hmm. that's me. I think that... Um, I do all that, (laughs) 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 but I will introduce myself. I'm Kyla Erlinson. I have been doing my own personal growth and journey for the past 18 years. And for the last 15 of it, I have been helping people in their journey to healing themselves. And I do think relationships, like Corey said, are very complicated because you do get two people coming in with their own history, their only fam, their own family patterns, um, their own belief systems, and their own healing work that needs to be done. That does form a complicated relationship at times, especially if there's people coming in with trauma, if there's people coming in with really deep healing that needs to happen. And so my focus and my niche that I love to work with is women, because I believe that when women heal themselves and do the work that we are the ones that or are going to transform this world. And I keep seeing it and I keep experiencing it firsthand with my clients, for example, you and you, Jen. And I do know that we have so much healing power, so much loving power, so much nurturing energy that when we dig deep and do our healing and allow our true selves to shine, we have the biggest vibration on this planet to change the world. And that is something I'm so passionate about is helping women find their highest, truest potential within themselves. But we have to get to the nitty gritty first. We have to um, beat down some blocks and barriers and walls before we can get to that other side. So that's what I help women do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. I have, to, I have to acknowledge that this is our first time doing anything together like this. We've taught lots of trainings together and and worked together in different formats, but this is definitely our first podcast or interview or anything we've done together. So, oh, neat. Now, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it in the flesh. It's working yeah, itself right. out as we speak. Yeah. We get to see the relationship in action here. There you go. Well, that's my desire because I do believe so many people listening in. I believe 2020 created a lot of uncertainty and brought to the surface maybe some old traumas and wounds and fears that I know I witnessed affect people's marriages and relationships. And so coming into this new year, I really wanted to focus on mending and bringing people back together with this appreciation, understanding for one another. And you just described that both of you so beautifully. And I do try to recognize even in my own relationships that we're two individuals. And I think so often in marriage, 
we want to like mold the other person. <laughs> I know I'm guilty of that. And so I constantly hear your words, Kyla, of embracing that and realizing that we are just two individuals who have chosen to do life together. And it's such a beautiful gift to give to one another, that choice of wanting to be in relationship. So I have a question for the two of you. Were you always this way? Were you always so in tune with one another? Or has this been a progression of your work and really it fostering itself within your marriage? I absolutely think it's been a journey of doing our own work individually and together. And there are things that have come up with my own healing and relationship I never would have discovered otherwise. And because of our own patterns of our own trauma, the trauma that I talk about isn't just, you know, it's not sexual trauma, it's not physical abuse, but it's just the traumas of separation of maybe a certain situation of abandonment or rejection as growing up, you know, so those are traumas. It doesn't have to be the typical trauma that we think about. So whatever experience that Corey had growing up that has molded him into who he is and me, likewise, you know, our patterns fit together. So there was a lot of healing in our relationship that came to light. And it wasn't very light. I mean, it was some deep, grueling work. And I truly believe that if I hadn't done my part in my own healing, we would not be sitting here together right now. Our relationship either would have blown apart before children, or we would have gotten married, had kids, and it would have been an even more intense blow up without the healing that we've done right now. And I really believe that because I would have blamed him for everything that I thought wasn't going right in my life. And, and I can own that for sure. Like I, I put up my hand and say that was my part is I always wanted to make him wrong because of what I wasn't fulfilling within me, what I wasn't doing in my life. So, you know, when I was pointing the finger at him, I had three pointing back at me. That's something I always love to teach my clients is to remember your world outside of you is just a reflection of what's going on inside. And so when you want to point the finger, remember there's three pointing back and you have to do the work first. Yeah. What about you, Corey? What do you think? I think that our relationship started okay, like any relationship. And then we hit walls and we found reasons to blame each other. We had a counseling session once where it was like, how are we going to successfully end this relationship well, you know, that we've had that session before. We, you know, it was much before we had kids, but we started like any other normal relationship and then we hit walls. And what I've learned about relationship now that I didn't know when I first started in our marriage was that, you know, nature doesn't do anything by accident. We're not attracted to somebody that's totally different than us for no reason. And I think that traditionally, most of our parents or our parents' parents, relationship was a thing of survival. It was about, coming together to create children so we could run the farm or it was about land ownership. It was about a whole bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about being in harmony with nature is that it constantly evolves. And so what relationship is about today in our Western world or in our lifetime is about the evolution of healing. When I could start to understand that the things that I thought were a problem about Kyla what I needed to do, which was to stand into in my own power, ask for what I needed, was actually part of my healing, as well as for her to hear that from me was permission to do her healing. 
what I could see was that as both of us, we did want to have a great relationship, but we also wanted to be empowered in our lives. And so the moment you say, I want to have a, a more intimate relationship or a deeper connection with my partner, or I want to have more empowerment in my life, what shows up is everything that isn't that. So those would be the walls that we yeah. built between each other or the walls that I'd built in front of me in my career, or my business. So understanding that, oh, the thing that's between us right now is not a problem. It's actually where the freedom of what I want is. And it, there's a huge personal responsibility level that had to occur. And that was probably the biggest shift was to bring myself from the place of why is she so, why is this situation so that versus saying, well, what in me is that bringing up that I don't want to face? which is me standing in my power or her standing in her power, vice versa. And so really understanding how we look at our own growth and development, how we, how we respond to challenges in our lives, we look at them as a giant problem and I should go that way. Or we look at them as they're the thing that's covering up the solution to the thing that I want in my life. And so I had done one level of my breathwork training when I met Kyla. And I'd already been through, I think, three long relationships that had ended very similarly and I could see a pattern within myself. And so after I'd gone through my first level of training, I said, if I'm going to be in relationship with somebody, they're going to be able to speak the language I speak and they're going to do this training so that we can at least have that perspective. And that was what the first level of training did was just open me up to see, oh, you know, the problem in front of me is not the problem. It's the doorway to my solution. And it kind of sounds cheesy, but it's real. That is all of our problems. If I say I want something, what will be delivered to me is why I don't have that in front of me. And so I have to, I have to have the courage to say, okay, I'm going to move towards it rather than just, okay, well, I'm just going to change you out and get a new person because they, you know, they don't seem to have that problem. But you see it over and over again, that problem shows up again. Right? Yeah. So we were really fortunate in the fact that I think we had the right people in our lives to show us a different way. And that, that is the biggest challenge is, is I just didn't know any different in any of those other relationships. And most of us don't. We were never demonstrated. We're never taught. There's another way to look at this situation. And so by having that in our lives at that time, it, it's assisted us to really grow in every aspect of our humanity together. So it's been an evolution, though, nonetheless, for sure. But so much wisdom just came out here between the two of you. I have never looked at that wall or problem, as you said, Corey, as the actual solution. I don't know if I've ever processed it like that before. That is really big. And yeah, well, often we say, if well, my partner just wouldn't do, if if she wouldn't be so controlling, then this could be easy. Or if he would care more, then it wouldn't be a problem. It's like, well, or if he could just hear me, I'm not saying. Why can't my partner hear it? How am I using my voice? Do I believe in myself when I talk talk about this? So we just think, right. well, they're the problem. And then that's pretty normal, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I think that is very normal. And that one of the questions that's arising for me is, let's say a couple's listening right now and they are fake pointing fingers, which I think if we're going to be honest, we all do it, right? If, oh, Absolutely. he's not cleaning up. And I just, you know, we're always passing the blame. I really work hard in my marriage to focus on the good because it's so easy to nitpick. And then once you start that, it just snowballs, doesn't it? It's just all you see is the socks on the floor. And rather than... <laughs> You've never had that. <laughs> never had that, have you? No man has ever done this 
this before, but you know, <laughs> I focus on that versus the love and attention he gives to our children, which is so much more important to me in our relationship than socks on the ground. And so I always have to bring myself back to what we focus on expands. But I want to assume for couples listening to this podcast, they're in that finger pointing and blaming and like, it's his fault. And he's always this. How do you snap out of that? What is your advice for someone who's in that right now, that back and forth momentum? I don't remember what, why this had occurred, but we had had a, um, we had some sort of scenario and Kyla had called, told me I was selfish and, and it just like, it hurt. Like it triggered my whatever, not enough as a man situation where I thought I could be there for the kids and I can be there for you. And I can, and whatever happened, we were in the heat of it. She called me selfish. Mm-hmm. I'm and I, so I went outside with our youngest son and I'm bouncing on the trampoline with him and I'm just brewing in my head. And I'm thinking all the ways she's been selfish in the past. And I'm building this big story. Like I had my case, like I was a lawyer, I had it all set up and I was going to go in there and I was going to just let her know how selfish she was. And I was sitting on the trampoline and and I was like, yeah, right on. You could be totally right here. You could prove that to her. But what do you want in your relationship? Do you want to be right? Like, did did I want to be right? Did I want to totally crush her self-esteem when all the ways that I could be right? Because that's what my ego wanted. But when I could realize, like, what do I want here? It's like, I want connection with my partner. I don't want to be right. The desire for connection has to be bigger than the desire to be right. And that is a huge challenge when we are fired up and we feel like somebody wronged us or wounded us. Like I said, that that hit this wound in me that felt like I was not enough as a man. And so the only way my ego thought I could recover from that was to ruin her, essentially. And I actually had the clarity in the moment to be like, what do I want? Well, I want connection with my partner. And I just, all I, I didn't do anything. I just, put my list and I, you know, <laughs> in, in my mind, just let it go. And we, we probably never talked about the subject again. And I got over myself and I could go in and, and, and come out from the place of like, what do you actually need right now? Because somebody that, you know, is feeling like I'm being selfish is obviously feeling unsupported. So I can make you wrong or I can come back and say, like, what, what is it that you need right now? How can I be more supportive to you? It's as simple as that, but that was probably one of the most challenging things for me to do. And that is, you know, self-discipline is understanding our relationship with ourself, which is that, do I want connection or to be right? And to be right, I can stand up right on my, on my pillar all I want to, but it's really lonely in that right place. And ultimately I know my partner wants connection and I want connection. Mm. It's just giving up the willingness to be right. And that is a, that's a hard thing in relationship and i remember there's a there's a one of the cards from uh one of our i think it's a one of our decks is, we got a bunch of decks of cards with spiritual cards in it anyways and one says do you want to be right or happy mm-hmm. and it's like well i want to be right and happy <laughs> you know because <laughs> i'm gonna be happy because i'm right is what our ego says but to understand that being right if you want to see a metaphor for it, it's like the mask anti-mask thing that's going on right now. It's like, there's two people that are so far apart and it's like, do we, do we want to be right by ourselves or do we want to be happy connected? It's probably one of the biggest, most powerful learning lessons, but to be able to let go of that rightness is a full surrender of the ego, which is not easy. Mm, that was good. That I was get a, really excited. That was a simple answer. <laughs> 
I was like, when did that happen? <laughs> I was just going to say, were you like racking your brain? <laughs> like the biggest thing for me, she had no idea it even occurred, right? So, like, was that recent? <laughs> no, that was probably two summers ago okay. or something. But I, I often tell that story when I'm working with couples or with clients because it was so impactful for me the moment I put that down. you know. And that happened, like I'm saying, within the last two years, we've been working on a relationship for 18 years. This still happens all the time. I still have to discipline my own ego, my own wannabe rightness. And I don't think there'll be a day I don't wake up wanting to be right. So I have to be able to be disciplined enough to be aware of where I'm at and what do I actually want, connection or being right. Right. You know, another thing I picked up from that too, Corey, is how empowering that decision actually was. Like someone may feel like I'm being disempowered by not pleading my case and showing that I'm not selfish that, and no, that's so ego. But what I noticed through this example is it actually empowered you because you made the decision, you stood in your power and you chose to choose love. And I'm learning so much through this conversation already. You guys are so good. Well, that's the thing with what, you know, I I work with males, lots of males. And it's like, well, if I'm not going to be alpha, then do I just become this like total beta and just like, yes, dear, whatever you want. And, you know, this total fear of losing power. But ultimately what's happening is it comes back to the relationship with myself. So I'm not mad at Kyla actually because she wounded me i'm mad at myself that i gave my power away for kyla's behavior to let me feel powerless right so kyla calling me selfish i'm actually really mad at myself for letting it hurt me that much so how do i gain power back is not by taking out kyla it's by saying i can have power over that wound that wound's not going to dominate me anymore because i can see the truth because what i was making up was a full story and illusion The truth was I felt powerless because I still on some level believed that I was selfish or I wasn't enough. And by me seeing, I don't want to ruin her. I want to have connection with her was me telling myself, Hey, you're enough. You're not selfish. And that's why the the conflict started within me and ended within me. And she didn't even know what occurred. And those are the patterns that fit together perfectly. So my old wounds of feeling like I'm not being tended to, or I'm being disregarded or whatever, not supported. And then me telling him that he's selfish and that hits his old wound. So there you go is our wounds coming together in an explosion. Well, what could have been an explosion and in the past it was explosions. And then by me not taking her out and me actually supporting her, helps her heal because she gets to actually feel loved and supported and I don't feel like it's it is that is what nature's doing in relationship and I mean that is a beautiful miracle that occurred at that time now don't get me wrong it doesn't always happen like that (laughs) it takes practice and we have to be compassionate with ourselves to say you know what I was a total ass. I blew it. I'm sorry. I was rude. I was mean. I didn't mean to, you know, that. And when he does that, when he comes back and it's sometimes it's only after 10 minutes and he says that to me uh, and I'm starting to build my case. Oh, I'm so mad at Corey. I'm going to make him wrong. I'm going to tell him all these things when he gets home. And usually in that 10 minutes of building my case, I catch myself and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. I change my ways. And by that time, Corey's already either phoned me or come back into the room and said, Hey, I'm really sorry. This is what was going on for me. What can I do here? And I'm, I've already surrendered within myself too. And, and we laugh. 
seriously laugh these oh, days because so we look at each other and we've come to that point where we're like, oh, we did it again. This is so dumb. Like, <laughs> here we are. We're able to surrender because it's not even about these things. It looks like it's about the socks and it looks like it's about everything else, but it's not like Corey mentioned, it's those wounds coming out and it's moving into the love on how can I support you and how can I support you? And when we do that, our relationship just continues to flow really nicely. Like we would have days where one of us would hold a grudge. Yeah. Oh yeah. It would have been a week. And there's not a couple that when I work with couples, there's not one couple that I've ever had come in and not say like, when you ask, what do you want? It's like, Oh, I want better connection. I want better communication. I want my partner to feel supported. I want to feel supported. Those are all the things we say we want. I want more intimacy. We all acknowledge we want that him and her yet something gets in the way of it. And that is the work is navigating the things that like the relationship begins to me, the relationship begins when it's time for me to go to couple counseling. That's the beginning of the relationship (laughs) (laughs) or some form of therapy or some form of self-development work. That's when you're really starting to know each other. So what do you do then if a couple is not on the same page? So one's on a personal growth journey, one's seeking like, let's go to therapy, let's really work on this. And the other is like stuck in their ways and they're not on that same path. How would you recommend that couple coming together? Because I have lived that in my own personal experience and I see it often where either the wife or the female portion of the couple is like diving into growth and they're learning so much. And the husband's just kind of still sitting on his phone playing video games. And there's such a disconnect. What could they do to connect? Ultimately, it comes to empowering the person that's willing to do the work. And and then you work with that person. And that is a barrier that I also see in my practice as well, is that sometimes there's only one person that wants to do the work. It's not impossible for a relationship to grow and come together. And oftentimes, like what I would say in that scenario is that if nature doesn't do anything for an accident and, and I'm in a relationship where my partner doesn't want to do the work, doesn't want to do any work, well, there's something about me learning how to really stand in what I need, right? And so I can say, yeah, but they won't for the rest of time. Or I can keep bringing it back to me and go, well, how can I keep empowering myself? And I'm, I'm sorry, but it becomes infectious when you are empowered, when you no longer take what doesn't work for you and just accept it, that partner either rises up or they realize that, you know, the relationship is probably not going to move forward. And that is a hard part of, you know, relations. Like I want empowerment, right? I want to be the best version of me, but I'm not willing to change my job. I'm not willing to change my relationship. I'm not willing to, you know, because we have all these conditions, right? Well, that would be too uncomfortable. And so that is a tricky part of empowering yourself, but that is, you know, ultimately our, that's our process of growing and learning. And I, I just don't think we're ever separate from it. We're not in the wrong relationship or not in the wrong job. We may evolve beyond a relationship. We may evolve beyond a, a job, but to just point out the person or the, the job first, that's not how I roll anyways. How I always rolled was like, I'm going to work my face off. I used to run a construction business. And, and for a long time, I was like, I don't want to make my construction business wrong. I want to figure out if I want to make this good and then make a decision from that place rather than just being like, oh, I just don't want to work construction anymore. Because when I shift to do this job full time, I still brought all my my problems I made about the construction business here. It's a better environment, obviously. But for me, it's like, I can never go wrong by upping my game. 
And that's what I tell my clients. You think your ego tells you like, oh, but why am I always the one that has to have the tough conversations? Or why do I always have to be compassionate? Is there any problem with being the one that is the more compassionate, the more open? You benefit from that everywhere along the way when Mm -hmm. you do the work first. But that is a very huge and really normal part of it is that one partner is really open and maybe another partner is less open. Mm -hmm. But that's the partner you created from where you're at. And so all you can do is focus on growing, keep having a voice, having a louder voice. Then, you know, sometimes it gets to the point where like, I'm not willing to move forward unless we can sit down in a room with someone and have a conversation. I'm not saying everybody needs couple counseling or couples therapy. I just know that that was something that we put as a priority Mm -hmm. and it's transformed our lives. But that's We also, you know, there was a long time we were driving cars from the 80s and spending $500 a month on our own therapy because I was like, I'd rather be happy. I don't care what I drive when I'm I'm at peace. It doesn't matter the external, right? But lots of us, well, we want a really big, fancy house and a big, fancy car, but it comes to investing in myself. It's like, oh, well, you know, there's no money for that. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Kai? Well, I was just thinking about the ripple effect it has on our children as well. Yeah. Even if one person's doing the work, you're breaking family patterns within yourself. That's going to break family patterns for your children. So when you do something different, you're going to get something different. I was doing this work when I was pregnant with Jack, who's now nine. And so I knew that as I was having my own breath sessions and breaking through my subconscious and bringing to the light my consciousness the difference it was going to make for him as he grew within me, but also in the relationship that we were forming as a family. And don't get me wrong. Like we have family blowouts. Like we have two boys, they're busy and they're fiery and they're sweet, but we are still being faced with our own things within our children all the time as well. Sometimes I use my tools. Sometimes they get blown out the window and I totally react. And so I'm going to be really real here. But the difference is, is I do have those tools now. And I do look at my boys and think that I want this to be so different from them. Because as I operate in relationship with Corey... At a cellular level, there's times where I actually feel how my mom felt. And I can see where I've put Corey in the position of where my mom and dad were. Like I can see him as my mom saw my dad and those feelings really deep within me, like where I'll be doing something and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel how my mom felt in this moment, in this situation. I feel it so deep. And that's where I know. Truly, when I feel that physically and emotionally, I still have more work to do in breaking through some family history, some family beliefs to the cellular level. And that's what is so important with the breath is during the modality of the breath session at the end of your session is where you do get to break through the old belief systems and recreate your new belief systems at a cellular level. Because think about it. When your grandma was carrying your mom, your grandma was also carrying you. Those eggs that were built within your mom as your grandma was carrying her, that's how deep the belief systems go. That's how generational it goes. And so you think about where we're living in the 20th century right now. Well, think about where your grandma was when she was carrying your mom, which was essentially carrying you, what you were built out of. Think about that generation of time. So there's a lot of things to break through. 
Welcome to 2021, my friends. Doesn't it feel good to open up a fresh year with new vision, fresh goals? Oh, it just feels so abundant. And if you are someone who's ready to scale your life and your business to five and six figures, I invite you to the Iconic Entrepreneur Program. This is my flagship program where I pour myself into the members of this group. You get one-on-one coaching with me multiple times every single month, a mastermind to help you build a bigger community and network and sisterhood. And also here's this fun experience for you. You get to be a live audience on my Becoming Iconic podcast monthly where you get to rub shoulders with the most epic of guests. I cannot wait for that for you. It's just a beautiful experience. And if you're someone who's hungry and ready for more, I invite you. Go to jenspiegel.com, click on the application, fill it out. Let's jump on a call and see if this is a good fit for us. It is a beautiful time to build relationship and partnership. So if you're looking for a mentor, a lifestylist, who can help you really generate beautiful success in all areas of your life, this is the program for you. And rather than take my word for it, I'd love you to listen to Caitlin, one of my newer clients who is having exceptional results. Let's listen to what Caitlin has to say. My name is Caitlin Redding and I am a video strategist and video marketing expert. I decided to hire Jen when I started to see some momentum happening in my business and I knew that in order to keep that momentum going, I had to hire Jen. Since starting with Jen, I have doubled my goals and tripled my income and I'm about to have my first five-figure launch in only two months of working with Jen. I absolutely love the knowledge she has and the strategies she offers. But what I absolutely love the most is her availability to connect, to hold your hand, to bounce ideas off of, especially during those times when you are in the middle of a launch. Hiring Jen was absolutely the best decision for myself, my family, and my business in 2020. Oh, Caitlin, I'm so proud of you and so excited for you. Thank you so much. And friends, if this spoke to you and your heart started beating a little faster and you're ready for this success yourself, again, go to jenspiegel.com, click on that application. Let's jump on a call and let's make this the best year of our lives. It's just so beautiful and so abundant with love. And if we just let our lives that way, where we looked at everybody with these lenses of love and acceptance and the word grace keeps appearing in my head as you're talking, like there's a lot of grace being given. And I think, man, what could we do? What could we do in this world if we actually led that and had that intention day in and day out? It's so difficult. It is. It's so to me, the easy is judgmental eyes. The easy is finger pointing. I can do that really easily the forgiveness and the grace and the understanding, I have to work at that. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's the difference. If the ease, this like it's just like, oh, forget it. I'll just take the easy road versus really digging in and acknowledging these specific things you're both talking about. It is, it's work. Well, I think when it appears to be easy is when the ego's got you. Mm. Well, it is. The ego speaks first and the ego speaks loudest. You think information channels through our old brain up into the, into the goods here where we can have cognitive thought. And so it's always the first and the loudest voice. And so, you know, our mind is a very, very powerful tool, but undisciplined, it, it is, you know, it can ruin us and, be, and it becomes a weapon. And so that, you know, the evolution from a, you know, on a human you know, as we are as humans evolving from that place of survival, which was, it's a very, like fear is a, there's been studies, there's been a few people that have been born without the fear response. And life is a really challenging experience. If you don't have fear, fear has value, but it's understanding that to like, 
to hear fear and have it in the passenger seat or somewhere in the back versus letting it drive. And, and I think that's the difference between a disciplined mind and an undisciplined mind is that fear is just in the front wheel and it's controlling everything. And we just take the first response and we just fire. And, and mm. I don't, I think that my belief about people is that everybody is doing the best they can. Yeah. And if we can acknowledge everybody's doing the best they can, then we can come from that place of compassion, from leading with love to say like, okay, this is the best, this is the best choice that this person can make at this time. Because I know if I knew choices that make my life easier and more peaceful, and I feel like I can actually make them and believe in them, I'm going to. But it's when I don't feel like I can make those choices, I don't. And so mm. it's setting up our lives in a way that that becomes a more natural experience for us. And that takes discipline, it takes practice, it takes time, it takes investment. And, and most of us weren't taught that. So it's part of the work, but it's also part of our evolution, I believe, as mm-hmm. like as a holistic, as a species to to where we're all heading is that if, if we want to be able to make a good go of this, we are going to evolve into the space, but it's again, having the compassion and the grace Like grace is such a, a beautiful word. And it's so non-existent today, really, you know, and it's not about grace. It's about getting it done. It's about driving and putting our head down and we're distracted mm-hmm. and we're moving and, you know, to just stop and slow down and give ourselves some grace first. Cause when I could really understand if Kyla's being hard on me, it really means about this much about me and this much about how she's feeling inside of her. Cause I know if you want to talk about in relationship and being a, like having attraction and connection to each other, when I have felt a huge disconnect from Kyla, it's been because I've had some sort of disconnect or some self judgment going on within me. Mm. And so when I can understand that oh, when my partner's attacking me, they're afraid. If my three-year-old's afraid, what do I do? I want to go in and I want to love him. I want to, I want to nurture him. I want to take care of him. But when my neighbor attacks me, what do I want to do? I want to fight him. But I can't acknowledge the fact that, oh, my neighbor's just afraid right now. People are afraid. And so what do we do with fear? Do we, do we fight back or do we go, how can I see the love in this person? How can I bring out the love within myself to have compassion and understanding? Mm. It takes practice. It takes discipline. It takes that learning to love ourselves first. And that is why you know, this like self-care, self-love movement. I heard what it was for a long time, but for me to eventually start to practice that and actually integrate that into my life was when things started to change. And I know for Kyla as well, we both, we have a really solid, you know, level of self-care practice for both. We each do, Mm -hmm. but that's what allows us to have compassion for ourselves or for and for each other, and ultimately for our family. Mm. That whole description to me is the surrender and going into forgiveness. Mm, yes. Okay. So when you yeah. talked about having the love and compassion for the neighbor, we have to have that for yourself first. And if you don't have that for yourself first, it's going into that place of forgiveness of, oh, okay, well, normally, you know, I would have gone in for the fight. I don't want to do that this time. I don't feel like doing that. I'm so tired of that. So how do you move into that level of forgiveness? Well, it's forgiving yourself for the past and saying, I don't want to do that again next time. How can I make this different here? How can I choose a different direction here? What can I change? What can I do different? And that was me on the trampoline. I had to forgive myself for like, remind myself, I'm not selfish. I forgive you for believing you were selfish. And when I could forgive myself, I no longer wanted to wipe out Kyla. I just wanted a connection. Uh, I also know there's like a a level of guilt that Corey and I both operate from. Is that okay that I include you in that? Okay. Okay. Um, Love guilt. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't love it, but I have a, I have I'm a healthy in that class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And what I know, for instance, is a lot of the times too, when we butt heads is when we both feel guilty for not honoring ourselves. And what we really need to do in our relationship is ask for what we want. The guilt will hold us back from that. And we feel the reason we feel guilty is because we're not honoring and not asking for what we want. So when we both feel, I'll speak for myself, when I feel like there's something I need to do, but there's a whole lot of other things going on, you know, like um, dinner, kids, and there's something I really want to work on. Where in the past where I will start to blame Corey that he's not around, he's just being selfish. He's doing whatever he wants for his business. He gets all this time. Well, then I get to stop myself and say, Hey babe, and ask for what I want. And then we get to come to some sort of an agreement of how that can happen. If we need to ask for support outside of each other, whether that's childcare or whatnot, or reworking our schedules for something so that we both can have what we want. Cause I want Corey to have what he wants. I want him to be successful. I want him to be healthy and happy. And I know he absolutely wants that for me. And, you know, I can say that he always surrenders and is like, okay, well, how can we make this work? There's never, ever any instance at this point where Corey is ever like, nope, you can't do that because I need to do this first. I just, we don't have that. And maybe we did and I don't remember, but we both want each other to be successful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes when you're doing those, like for me, and I know for Kyla, giving myself that self-care or doing what I need, you know, you know, lots of times, again, working with males, they're like, well, I have to give up my poker night or I have to give up this because, and, and, and it's less about, you know, I think that when we can learn how to communicate our needs to each other, you get a response like Kyla says, I want my partner to have what he wants, but I also want to feel taken care of it in, in this relationship. And so it's less about the behavior that we're doing. And oftentimes I think what happens is men, maybe we feel, we feel guilty. And so what we do is we just disconnect and Kyla's not, not actually worried about me going and playing poker or going on a hunting trip. What she wants is me to be connected. And so if we can have the connection through that experience, she, I can go do whatever the heck I want. The problem is when I feel guilty about it and weird about it, then there's this, what happens is energetically I start to shut down and then her part of like, I'm not supported. She feels that. And it's less about whether I'm actually physically there or not, and more about can I actually hold my energy while I'm gone or well, and you know, and that's the, the dynamic of this masculine feminine, you know, where oftentimes the, the male gets guilty and he just kind of withdraws, and then she puffs up and she gets louder and bigger, and all she wants is for him to show up, right? All she wants is for me to show up. Yeah. I don't actually literally have to be there. I just need to be able to have the capacity to hold that space. and Which is considering your mate. It's just being considerate, right? And coming back to that root of connection again. Number two, Kyla, when we were talking about just the same subject in my relationship, you know, there were times where I would get a little miffed that he was going out with his friends. I'm like, must be nice. Mm -hmm. You know, here I am. I've been working all day. I cleaned the house. I'm looking after the kids and you want to go out with your kids. And you taught me something that changed my relationship is you said, well, maybe the very reason you're resenting that is because you're not doing those things for yourself. And that changed everything in my relationship because you hit the nail on the head. It wasn't that I didn't want him to have fun with his friends and go and do the things that made him feel good. I was resenting the fact that I wasn't being strong enough to say, I need these things too, and actually doing those things. So I need to recognize that in this picture too, because that was life-changing for me in my relationship. Can I touch on that too again, Jen? I'm not not going to say that this is what you were dealing with, but I think also 
you know, you're working. And so then there's this guilt that comes in again for some people. And I know that would be my own experiences. If I was working, I wouldn't feel like I would be able to ask for that because I thought I should. And that's a key word of guilt is should I should be home with the kids. They haven't seen me. My husband will probably want me there. But in reality, I know when I ask Corey, like, Hey, I really feel like I need to go do this. Or I'd really like to go to this yoga class or go for dinner with one of the girls. And he's like, yeah, go. I'm like, okay. It's just an illusion of the guilt that we're feeling. So it's, it feels and real, but it it's feels definitely real. just a story that we make up our guilt. We feel we're supposed to, and we make up a story <clears throat> about, you know, and for a long time, Kyla worked, uh, you know, worked her own business or if not two businesses, made a really great income, still felt like she couldn't put the kids in daycare. And I would be like, babe, if you need it, put them in for five days a week. That's okay. Like I have no attachment to that. And I think that as you know, females and this, you know, this expectation that you're supposed to be able to not only make organic muffins for them every day and, (laughs) you know, do all those things, but you're supposed to be home and you're supposed to be able to bring in an income. And I could watch her go through that guilt. And I could, you know, I could say like, do whatever you want to do. But, you know, that guilt in her was controlling her and then making up a story that, and that's what guilt does. That's what fear does. It makes up a story of what's real in front of us. And until we actually sit down and go, is this actually happening? Or am I just making this up? Because this is my experience. And that's a huge part and a huge barrier in relationship. It's like, oh, I didn't even know. You know, I'll, I'll work with couples. I'll work with one side. And they'll be like, oh, everything's going great. I'll see the other side. And she's like, I'm ready to pack up and leave. And, <gasps> and I'm like, how, how is this happening? Right. But that's, that's the difference in where we're at in our own, what's real, what's actually happening in our communication mm-hmm. together. And that's happened more than once. Yeah, it almost leads into that codependency that I think most of us work through and continue to work through. And what I'm hearing through your example is not having that codependency anymore, where Kyla, for you, Corey being happy means you can be happy. Or if Corey's unhappy, then you're automatically unhappy. I'm still working through that. (laughs) This is a work in progress for me. The whole reason I started doing work is because I remember one day, I was coming home from visiting Corey working in Kelowna. And the further I got from him, I started feeling really unhappy, really unsettled. And I just thought to myself, what the hell is this feeling? Why do I feel this in every relationship where as soon as we get to a certain point in the relationship, if I'm not with them, I'm thinking about them or I'm focused on them or I'm wondering when we're going to get to be with each other. And I start to put my happiness invested all in them and how are they going to make me happy and i never i could not put my finger on that i was not aware of my emotions i was clueless to any sort of personal growth and development and i was 19 or 20 when i started doing this work i'm now 38 so a lot of years under my belt doing some work but the codependency was so strong for me it was debilitating actually because it left me powerless so powerless. And that was where I pointed the finger and I just thought it was him all the time, not doing this or not making me feel this way or, you know, all that sort of lingo. And when I started to build the relationship with myself is where I put myself into my own power. And I started to be able to ask for what I wanted. And I started to be able to take more action and responsibility in my life. So good. We could spend an hour just on that, I think, because I do believe that can be the root of a lot of unsettledness in a relationship. I know, I know, I just, I live it. And I'm okay to talk about my real and rawness with people because I think it's just what we all crave. But that would definitely be for me and my relationship, that unsettledness of me, how my husband's in a bad mood. 
that being able to separate myself from that bad mood and recognize he had a bad day at work. This has nothing to do with me and my home, but I often wear it as a jacket. I often allow that to affect my mood. And so these are things in relationship and why I wanted to have these podcasts is just to really help us surface these things and recognize them. And then when we see them, we can deal with them and, and work on them. So I'm so grateful for this, this conversation. It's been so good. It's exceeded expectations. It's so good. But because I know we share the idea of being real and raw, if it's okay with you, which we spoke about, I'd love to talk about one of the harder times I know that you both went through in your marriage. And Kyla, I know that you're open to talking about this and why I love you so much is you're so real and willing and my love for you is so big, but I know after you had Bo, we had babies like days apart. We were both ready to birth on the same day and you went first. And I was a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting at home and the, uh, it was, it, my baby was baked, but you ended up having yours. And I know that the, um, you did have some postpartum depression from that. And I was really grateful you were willing to talk about this today with everybody. Cause I want to really speak to someone who maybe is in a, not a good place. And how, Corey, you held space for Kyla during that time and how you worked through that. Would you mind sharing that experience? Yeah. I always get quite emotional when this comes up. And I think because it was such a inflection point in my life. And it was raw and really vulnerable. And I definitely would not have gotten through it the way I did without Corey. And I remember about 10 days after Bo was born that any feel-good feelings just were like rinsed away. And I never felt so low and empty and dark in my life. And I just felt like nothing mattered. I knew I could look at my family and I knew I loved them, but I just felt nothing. And it was a huge struggle. And there was a day I phoned Corey and I think... I think Bo was about four or six weeks old and I just, I phoned him and I was a mess. And I just said, I can't do this. It's so hard and I feel so alone. And he said, I'm done. I'm coming home. And I just remember sobbing because I felt so taken care of. And I just remember thinking like, what do you mean you're done? And he's like, yeah, I'm packing it up. I'll find someone else to work for me. And I'm coming home. And he came home. And we were home for six months together. And that six months was just the beginning of my journey. My postpartum depression with Bo, I feel, was about three to four years long. I did so much work. I doubled up on my sessions with my spiritual life coach. Um, I got curious more than ever. I dug really deep. It was the most uncomfortable time because I just felt like I sh there was all these shoulds. There was so much guilt. And there were so many things in my family that I feel like I was kind of robbed of some joy because of the depression. I had my sister-in-law who just had a baby six weeks prior and I remember sitting there and having coffee with her one day and we're nursing our babies. And she was like so happy and joyful. And I thought, this is the worst thing ever. I hate nursing my baby. It takes an hour and a half. I feel terrible. I don't feel this joy I'm seeing in front of me. What the hell is going on? 
And I just felt totally separate. I felt so separate in my life. I had major anxiety. Um, I could hardly answer the phone. Corey would go to shower 10 feet from me. And I, the feeling I had was, oh my God, don't leave me. Um, and the baby would be sleeping. I just felt completely like disassembled. And I think that was the perfect description as I felt disassembled and I had to reassemble myself. And it took a really long time, but it brought me to this point now. Bo is now six. He just turned six. And it was of the fall this year that everything just started to click, 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 click together. One of my mottos throughout that time was this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And I moved into so much trust, so much trust that I knew I knew there was a light at the end of this. I knew that I was experiencing what I needed to experience so I could assist other women in the world and that I was going to serve my counseling practice. I didn't even really have a counseling practice at that time because I could barely take care of myself. And that was really what my focus was, was just taking care of myself at that point and finding joy in the pockets of where I could. And when I did find those pockets of joy, I embraced it because it was a roller coaster. Sometimes I was good and sometimes I wasn't, but when I wasn't good, it wasn't good. And I moved my body as much as I could. I talked to Corey about it all the time and he just listened. He didn't say ever to me, oh babe, this is the same thing you've been talking about over and over again. He just listened and said, you need to do whatever you need to do and I will support you. Because every night we would go for a walk And I would say, I think I need to go on medication. I think I need to go on medication. And I'm all for it. If that's the direction you want to take, it's there for a reason. There's a time and a place for it. And he just kept saying, like, you do whatever you need to do. And he would just let me rant and go on. And I just think I needed to say things out loud. And I did all the time. I didn't end up going on medication. And I do feel like I worked through some serious female family lineage things big things. I don't even know that I realize the full extent of what I've worked through at this point. I think I'm going to start to realize it more and more now that I'm on this other side. But it has brought me to this point of where I've jumped in fully committed to my counseling practice. And I know that this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is what I'm here for. And I believe that that journey with Bo has brought me here. Thank you. Thank you. I can only just say that from someone who experiences the compassion, empathy it brought out in you, I want to just thank you. And um, you are life-changing. You are someone who's so gifted with thought and understanding. And I'm sorry that you went through that. I am. But I'm so grateful you worked through that. Thank you. I am grateful for going through that, I have to say. I can say that now. Yeah, I am grateful. And anytime I feel like I've been robbed of some sort of experience with having a baby at home or the intensity it created in my home, I do remember and I do trust. And I'm fully grateful that it has brought me to this point. And I wouldn't be where I am without that miraculous point in my life because I can look back now in hindsight and see that that was an awakening. That was my own awakening that had to occur that way for me to be where I am and me to support my clients Mm -hmm. at this point in time. And your family, because you are an incredible mom and wife. Their boys are lucky to have you. Yeah. First of all, I'm in awe 
because of the strength the two of you show through that story. I can imagine though, as a male, that wasn't necessarily easy to walk through because typically men want to fix. (laughs) So can we maybe talk a little bit about that, about your process through this for maybe there's someone listening in right now who's weeping because they resonate so much with what Kyla just said. And maybe your words will help their partner be able to walk them through that. If I can tell the story without getting emotional too, because I remember the phone call. And when Kyla shares that story, it's easy for me to see now. And maybe I didn't see that then again. But when I rewind and I look at what I decided to make as a priority in my life was to see that I was supported. Everything in my life is supporting me. It doesn't always feel like that. But at that time, I was running equipment. I had my own excavators and I was on a job and I was halfway through a two-year contract. So it wasn't easy for me to just get out of. Um, But I'd also been battling within myself. I'd trained as a breath practitioner. I'd worked in the business for 10 years doing both. And my first son was already four. And I'd missed a huge part of his life because I was working construction nine to five. And then I was coming to the office here in the evenings working with clients. And I was, I had a stir within me. And so what I understand about my children is, you know, people can say, oh, you know, have children, it's fun, or whatever that experience of having children is. But what what I could see is that these children are not separate from my journey either. There's no accident they show up, or there's no accident when they show up. And when my first child showed up, there was a shift in me where I started to move towards, because I always believed as a parent, you know, I know what my dad told me to do versus what my dad actually did. And I did what my dad actually did, not what my dad told me to do. And so having children, you know, was a dream for me to be able to shift my careers and step into, you know, doing what I do now full-time. And I didn't know how I was going to manifest that experience or how it didn't logically make sense that I was going to do that. But, and I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I'll come back to that day that Kyla phoned me. I was begging for someone to kick me off the edge of what I was doing anyways. I knew I wanted out of my business. It still wasn't an easy decision. I had no idea how, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go open people's chakras for a living in the middle of my life when I have two mortgages and two young kids at home. That's a really good idea. <laughs> there was no logical sense as to why, because breathwork was, it's really, it's quite normal now. It's, it's, but that was even six years ago. Nobody was talking about what breathwork was or what we were doing. And I'd never seen anybody be successful at it either. And so, you know, as much as it was hard for me to, to do what I had to do, when Kyla phoned me, I can still remember the rattle of the windows in my back. Oh, it was kind of snowing. It was kind of out like, like it is out right now. And I just remember sitting like I knew she said, I need you. I'm not doing this again. I can't do this by myself again. I need you. And, and I said, okay. I'm going to go park the machine. And it was the end of our season anyway. So I probably had another month of work left. And I had just told the boss, I said, I have to go home and I've got family stuff. And I was never one to not show up for work. I'm a pretty loyal person. So they knew that it was, it was serious. And I knew in the spring, I'd have to make a different decision. I didn't know whether I was going to hire someone to run the equipment or whatever, but, and so that initial decision to come home, it was really easy. It was easy to just be at home for that month and until Christmas. And then that's when after Christmas and in springtime was when the work really started to begin because Kyla was her, how she felt was not changing. What she needed from me was not changing. And the fact that I couldn't fix it wasn't changing. And you're right, as a, as a man, we're pretty logical. And we're like, well, if you just do this, this, and this, then you'll be fine. You know, that was a huge growth or a huge part in our relationship. That little Bo, he's this little friggin' he's so wild cute. man. He's like Tarzan in our house, but he has brought so much <laughs> healing. Well, both of them have in their own way. And as a parent, I understand that, that, you know, I get to heal my relationship with my parents through my children. And I'm sure this is something that a divide that 
probably happened in my family before. And I didn't have any choice but to rise up to the challenge to say like, okay, boys, you guys are coming into my life and I'm not going to sit here and tell you to follow your dreams and not follow my dreams. And actually Bo was the one that, you know, with, with Kyla's experience that she went through was permission for me to say, well, I don't know how we're going to live, but <laughs> I'm changing careers and I'm going to be home more often. And, um, and I'm going to support her in whichever way I could. And that was ultimately what I did. It wasn't easy. It's not easy to not have the answer. It's right. not easy to have someone that uh, is not necessarily enjoying those first few years and I could see that, you know, there was times that she felt resentful towards me because I could go away to work. I could come home and I'd be excited to play with the boys. And, and it just felt like Groundhog Day to her. It felt really hard. And I just had to do my best not to try and fix her, not trying to give her all the answers, just to hold that space. And then you want to talk about codependency. I'm the youngest of three boys. There was conflict all over in my house growing up. I made a meaning of that. And I made the rule that I was the guy who was supposed to fix it. And if there was conflict, it was somehow my fault. That was the story I told myself when I was young. And that was really how I operated in relationships. So you want to talk challenging. It was hitting all my wounds yeah. of me being not enough if I can't make this person happy. And so we just had to keep facing ourselves, keep talking about it. I had to keep reminding myself her happiness is not my responsibility. My happiness was my responsibility. Mm, that I mean, must it, not have been easy though, Corey. No, none of it was easy. I can guarantee yeah. that. I didn't feel like I had another choice. That was, I wasn't going to leave my family. I wasn't no. going to not be there for her. So yeah. I had to face whatever discomfort it brought up in me that I couldn't fix this. I couldn't yeah. save her. I just had to be there in whatever capacity I could. And I'm sure I wasn't perfect in any way, <laughs> but oh. I did the best I could as she was doing the best she could. Right. It's like you gave each other permission just to figure this out simultaneously, because I'm even thinking about Corey, if I were in your shoes and I'm playing with my kids and I can tell that's triggering my spouse because they're not feeling good. It'd be so easy to not play with the kids and just you know, push that down and put it aside to make them feel comfortable. And that was such a beautiful example, both of you in breaking the bonds of codependency and owning each your, your own person. I just think this is so beautiful. And it's, it must have built so much trust in your relationship to walk through that and be on the other side. There must be such a bond and trust in each other. Those are difficult waters to navigate. Yeah. And I know that bond is there now. But I think going through it, we both got lots of lots of support. We did, definitely didn't do it. All. That was probably the time we were both driving happy vehicles and spending five hundred dollars <laughs> a month in therapy, to, you know, to manage each other because or manage ourselves so that we could show you up. know show up for each other. And that is one thing that uh, both of us have been you know the most consistent with in our life was having someone to reach out to and having someone to show us what's real. I would give up everything in my life. <laughs> Other than having someone that could be a North Star for me. And we both have had that throughout our whole relationship is that not someone that was going to save us or like, you know, like some guru, but it's really someone to lead us back to the light. Yeah. Our left our own devices. It's hard to get to the light unless we were trained or learned. And we did both grew up in normal Canadian homes where emotions and spirituality and connection were not talked about. It was about survival. And we both love our parents. They did the best they could. I understand that now at this point. But the skills we had to navigate what we had to go through, we had to figure it out on our own or find people that could be those lights for us in our lives. And that's why we are here today in what we are in. Yeah. I just think you gave everybody a big amount of hope because I know in hard times in marriages and difficult things that people have to navigate, it's so common for it to disconnect 
and you probably felt disconnected for a while, but you kept coming back and having that person you can talk to. There's so many valuable nuggets in what you just gave us over this last little while together. I, I, I almost feel like it's that podcast that you have to listen to over and over again. And you save for those days where you think, can I make this work? Is this worth it? That friends listening to this podcast right now that you save it and come back to these words because it is gold what Corey and Kyla just shared and the vulnerability and the realness and raw just conversation around this. I'm so grateful that you approach your businesses that way too, because I know that you open the door for couples too you create this safe space for couples to really follow in your footsteps and learn through you. And I can't imagine two more beautiful people to guide a marriage than the two of you. And I mean that. Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) I do have to end with something and you know, the question, because you've been here before. So I want to hear from both of you, how in your relationship, are you going to be iconic today? I'm going to ask Corey, is there anything I can do for you today? Hmm. Are you asking me that now? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you're thinking about it. <laughs> because I know when he asks me that, I feel so tended to. I feel so regarded. I feel so loved. I feel so honored and treasured. Just that simple question, is there anything I can do for you today? And whatever he says, I'll do it. <laughs> there you go, Corey. You just got a ticket right there. Minus, <laughs> minus something, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Like, can I make you food? Like, can I pack your bag for you? Do you want a can of work? I'll wash your truck. (laughs) How about you, Corey? How are you going to be iconic in your relationship today? Well, it's not much different than what Kyla had said, but it's like, if if I think of the next time that I want to make somebody wrong or I want to make Kyla wrong or or attack, I'm going to ask myself, what do I need right now? So it's almost like, what can I do for me right now? Mm-hmm. So, and those are the two biggest tools that if I can ask myself when I want to attack somebody and make someone else wrong, mm-hmm. I said, what do I need right now to be, you know, to be the highest version of myself, the best, this, this person that, you know, that can walk through life and hold space for people. What, what do I need right now? Mm-hmm. If I can ask myself that, and then I can ask that other person that's attacking me, say, what do you need right now? Mm-hmm. What can I do for you? Those two things will make us iconic in relationship every single day of the week. Oh, I love that. Because again, it's just a reflection of what's going on inside being shown to you. Yeah. Me too are goodies. (laughs) Goodies. Thank you. Where can they find you? Because I want to just be a huge cheerleader for you. I have to say, friends, both my husband and I have had experience and continued experience with these two breath work. What I love about it is the finale to a conversation. I know in my past, when I've been in therapy, you really bring forward some deep things. And it was like, okay, well, here's your bill. We'll see you next time. There was no closure necessarily where I find in breath work, not only do I feel the difference on a cellular level. And what I love is I'm reiterating what I do want to end a session. And that feels so positive and so good. And I have left feeling invigorated more than I have depleted. And that wasn't always my experience in the past. So I can say from all sincerity, it has changed my life. I would love for more people to experience the two of you. So where should they go? You can find me at kylaerlenson.com and you can sign up for a free gift and I'll find your information in my email and we can connect through there. Yeah, and I'm at Breath Integration Kamloops. .ca. You can go to that and 
our staff profiles there, my profiles on that, and Instagram, at Corey Erlinson on Instagram. I post a video every day from The Course of Miracles. I'm on there every day. I'm posting on all the time, so you can just message me that way through Instagram or breathintegrationcamloops.ca. No, I'm also on Instagram as well, at Kyla.Erlinson. Yeah, so I will make sure that's all below in the podcast description so people just have to click and they can find you because I can only imagine the lives you've just changed this conversation and the light you just gave for some people who maybe feel like they're in a bit of the shadows right now. So thank you with all my heart for your just honesty and and who you are as human beings and the beautiful example that I get to witness and so many others. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together. They all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just want you to make it a great day.